This is the Pena Show, episode four. Welcome to the Pena Show, where it's all about inspiring you to live a healthier, happier, and more meaningful life. This is your host, Juan. And I'm Stephanie. Today we have special guest Bill Psychologic joining us. That's right, he's doing a special project where he's running a marathon in all of the 59 U.S. national parks. And I think what's really amazing about this was that he was somebody who was working in corporate America in New York City, kind of living the, the rat race, and he packed up his bags and went off on this journey um, to do this uh, amazing project. You know, while we're on the subject, have you visited any of our national parks? Uh, I actually went to the Badlands, and that was a pretty cool experience. Mm, mm-hmm. um, you feel like you're on another planet altogether. There's kind of the rock and the lack of any sort of plant life, or any just crumbling rock. You wow. feel like you're in Mars or the moon or mm. something along those cool, lines. Cool. Uh, wow. Yeah, what about you? You ever been to a national park? Uh, the only one I've been to thus far is Yosemite in California. Ah, we okay. did a, uh, I was in my early 20s and uh-huh. we did a hiking slash camping trip up there uh-huh. and it was amazing. It was truly breathtaking and I uh-huh. can't wait to check out more. Check nice. out more of them. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's one of the things on our bucket list. That's right. To yep. get out there and do some more marathons in national parks. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You want to tell them a little bit about the interview and where we pick up? All right. So we'll be picking up with our interview with Bill and he's mm-hmm. telling us about the inspiration to leave this urban jungle. He was making it work here in corporate America in New York City and what inspired him to leave it all behind Mm -hmm. and uh, basically move into a Subaru. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going to find this interview fascinating? That's right. Tell us a little bit about the project, just so people have a sense of what it is that you're doing. And then we'll get into a little bit more details about it as we we go along, but just maybe a little, little information about what you're doing. May of last year, I was uh, thinking about making a change, and the plan was to move out west to get closer to nature and be in a place where uh, it's a little more accessible than it was in New York City. And I wanted to take a little time off before I moved out uh, out west. And I was thinking of things that I could do during that time off, and one of them was to do some trail running. And I read that it was the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service, and I thought, oh, what a what a great opportunity I could have to visit the national parks and run in them and see them like you know be part of the national park like an animal be out in the wilderness and uh the idea came up that I would run a marathon in all 59 US national parks so I formed my uh my project's called the National Parks Marathon Project and I'm in the midst of uh doing that right now how many have you have you got under your belt thus far? Right, so there are, there are 59 parks. In, there are 47 in the lower 48 states. There are uh, 12 outside um, the lower 48 in Alaska, Hawaii, American Samoa, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I've run in 29 national parks since June of uh, last year when I started in Acadia National wow. Park in Maine. So that's roughly one marathon a week on the trails. That's incredible. <laughs> that wasn't a soft start. Then. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, and I like the, um, the theme of your, your, um, the podcast about 
um, really that I think anybody can run a marathon and that, uh, you know, it just takes a little bit of education and uh, a plan and um, some initiative. But uh, I think that there's so much more that people can do. So I've done one a week for roughly 29 weeks, but I don't think that's out of the realm of, of even a, a normal, you know, everyday Joe person's uh, potential. And I surely consider myself a normal everyday person. There's, you know, I'm not an elite runner. I, I didn't run in high school. I didn't run in college. I just took it up as a way to get in shape. And uh, I enjoy it thoroughly, particularly trail running. And so when I thought of a way to uh, to mix my passion for running and getting out in nature, this is what came out of it. Well, that's great. That's, that's so inspiring. You know, I, I think all of us or many of us have this fantasy of, of quitting our jobs and doing something out in nature and and kind of leaving the rat race and that sort of thing. But so few people actually do that. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that decision-making process was for you and how was it to take that those steps? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so uh, in uh, most recently, I was a management consultant working in New York City. My, uh, my company's based in Seattle, but uh, they have an office in New York, and we were doing – I was managing large-scale technology implementations for whichever client uh, needed that kind of expertise. So I lived in Long Island City. For those who know New York City, that's in Queens, right across the East River, basically from the UN. And I was working um, right before I left New York in the Time Life building right across from Radio City Music Hall. So you can't get much more New York than living in Queens and working in Manhattan. Um, and uh, I, I just, so I had been there five years. And uh, when I first arrived, New York City was feeding me. But then I think after, after the five years had gone by, it was, uh, it was feeding on me. And it just wasn't... Like well, yeah, it wasn't where I wanted to be, and the job wasn't uh, exactly what I wanted to do anymore. And thus, the 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 thought was, you know, get out out where I can get to the to the mountains and to the trails much more easily than you can in New York, and potentially look for a new job uh, once I once I arrived at that location. And uh, I wanted to take some time off, and so I had been saving for it. So I had thought about doing this. Um, break, which I think is is in um, is definitely within the realm of possibility for more people than they think. You can either do a one month unpaid leave, or you could do three or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, even to do a, a long trip with the family. I can't guarantee everybody's situation, but I can surely say that more than likely your job would be there when you got back. Um, I tended to do a little bit more of a drastic change and, and actually quit my job. And once this project has uh, has finished up, or I run out of money, which is always a possibility when you're when you're living out um, off your savings, but uh, uh, I plan to work in in something that's more aligned with what I'm interested in. So preferably in the outdoor gear company, uh, gear manufacturing space, whether it's clothing, nutrition, or uh, footwear, something where uh, I'm helping to actually make products that I would use and that my friends would use better. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the the time away has actually helped me sort of 
open up my thinking a little bit more, be a little bit more calm. Um, I've, I'm still caught up in that fear of, oh, my Lord, I don't have a job, and I'm not making any money, and what could this do to my career, your stereotypical career? But if I continue to wallow on that uh, all the time, it doesn't actually help because mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about going forward. I'm thinking about um, sort of the past way of thinking. And uh, if there's a company that looks at me and says, hey, you took a year or a year and a half off to do all this running around the national parks and we don't think that that's valuable, then that's not a company that I want to work for. Very inspirational. I wonder if you could say a little bit about some of the challenges you've encountered in uh, in doing this uh, epic quest of yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the 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 biggest challenges have been around uh obviously maintaining my budget. So I'm I'm doing a mix of camping, living in uh hostels. If I can find a very inexpensive Airbnb or hotel, I'll do that. Um you're always planning your next week ahead to the next park since I'm running um about one a week. I'm always looking ahead to where I'm going to stay next and the logistics is is constant, so that's kind of my job, um, not too dissimilar from l- logistics of regular life in in uh, in the normal world. So that's been a little bit more of a challenge, I thought, than it was going to be. I spent an awful lot of time doing that, and then doing body maintenance, just the recovery aspect of of after running a marathon. It's it, you can do it, but it's hard to foam roll when you're camping. <laughs> you're laying out the foam roll in the in the dirt and the grass, and you're getting stuff all over the place. And the weather can be a challenge if it's cold, uh, and you're camping. Uh, it it uh, it doesn't you don't want to lay on the ground <laughs> and foam roll or or do other kinds of stretching. So that can be a challenge. But uh, you know, knock on wood, so far so good. I give you a lot of credit. For, for taking this on, and it's something that Juan and I often fantasize about, mm-hmm. but um, we're not quite there yet. Maybe around this time next year, you know, we're still in this abusive relationship with New York City, so <laughs> <laughs> we can't escape the throes quite yet. But the one thing that I keep going back to is this image of you camping on top of your car that I saw. <laughs> now, is this a tent specifically yeah, for... Is this a, a special tent, or did you kind of uh, jimmy it in such a way that you could put it on the roof of your car? Oh, no, no. This is something that I learned about when I started doing the the research on, um, again, the logistics of how I was going to live during this project. And uh, I already had my car because I was planning to move move out west, and so I had to figure out a way that, that I could camp without having to continuously set up and take down a tent on the ground and I didn't want to lay on the ground. I knew I was going to be uh, running a lot, so I wanted to have something that was was reasonably comfortable. And especially at, at 45, um, you know, I want to uh, things take a little little time to recover sometimes. So um, I wanted to be comfortable. And during my research, I came across this this thing called a rooftop tent, and it's mostly used by people who have SUVs and go out into they go four wheeling out into the to the the outback, um, and it's a it's a, actually a tent that affixes to a standard roof rack, and then it it opens. and I like to tell people like a kid's pop up book, like the one we were looking yeah. at. You, you, you flip the page and the like it pops up. 
Well, it's very similar to that. You reach over and you grab the ladder and it swoop, whoop, pops up. It takes about, you know, really takes about six minutes to set up fully. And you crawl up a ladder and you sleep on the top of your, on the top of your car. Um, wow. It's got a, yeah, it's got a two and a half inch foam mattress in there. You leave your sleeping bag and your pillows inside so it doesn't take up room in the car. And it's, uh, it's very, very comfortable for, for doing car camping. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a great thing to have and the company that I that have um that I bought from there's a there's a number of them. A lot of them are European because I think it started over there. But uh the company's called Tepui, T E P U I, Tepui Tents. And I was their featured com- customer back in September because they were all excited about um my travels to all the national parks. Nice. So what, what what have been some of the the high points of the trip for you in terms of experiences or, or people you've met or? Yeah, I don't want to sound like a, a cliche, but it, it has been the people that I've met, and it's the the just the sense of generosity and kindness people have have displayed to me, and uh, that was something that I've had to learn to accept. Uh, I was never one and still even I'm still fighting with it now never been one that is really good at accepting for help like asking for help accepting help and a lot of this project um I need help um both uh in terms of lodging and logistical help and uh financial help and people I've met on on this trip have been uh, uh wonderful I've had a number of occasions where I get connected to a running group in an area around the park and someone offers to put me up for free. Or if they, a couple times they haven't had the room in their home, like they've had kids and not had an extra bedroom, but what they did is they let me set up the tent in the driveway and then use the bathroom and kitchen and living space um, when I'm not sleeping. So it's it's really been, it's really been nice. The, the National Park Service park rangers at the parks have been extremely helpful they're very excited about having people do see the parks different ways, and they're always good about providing input into routes and things to watch out for. Um, so that's been that's really been great. And then of course the parks themselves are these spaces put a, put aside because of their unspoiled wilderness and beauty, and to go and go 26 miles into them has just been fabulous. You know. Just the the scenery, the animals, um, the 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 solitude in a lot of cases. Just being able to connect with nature has been um, has been wonderful. Wow, that that seems like uh, almost uh, like like a dream. Huh? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it it has been in in some cases. I just uh, I wonder sometimes. How, and and you know I don't want to make New York out to be a bad place because it surely is not. And I had been there twice. I had done grad school there before and then and then this trip of, of five years. But uh, you get a little cynical sometimes. And when somebody's offering to help you, whatever form that may be, sometimes you wonder, hmm, what do they want from me? Oh, are they out to – they, you know, and I have not – everybody has been so genuinely um, kind and, and, and wonderful that uh, – that it's really helping me grow in that same area. Well, you know, sp- speaking of that, I wonder, can you say a little bit more about in what ways you feel this 
odyssey of yours, this quest of yours has, has changed you as a person? In addition to uh, being able to accept help without feeling that I have to immediately respond with, oh, I need to do something for them. Um, you know, it's all, it's all, uh, I'm starting to believe a little bit more in this sort of cosmic karma in a way. So they're going to help me. I don't immediately need to turn around and help them, but it is my duty to help other people when, when I see the, the opportunity to do that. And so I've really been more open to offering my help than I probably have in the past. After living in New York for a while, you know, you get caught up in um, the fear of missing out and always wanting to have something stronger, faster, better. So this is because I'm, I'm living kind of a minimalist lifestyle at this point. Everything is in my car. I'm sleeping on top of my car or in, in shared spaces or people's homes. Um, you really realize what um, you do need and what you don't need. And uh, I had been caught up in the, in a little bit of the New York rat race and having to have things that um, I may not have – it may not have been the right thing for me to do in terms of financial situation or just unnecessary things. And when I've paired back, I've, I feel calmer. I feel lighter because I don't have a lot of stuff. And you imagine everything that I own for a multi-month cross-country trip is in the um, – the, it's all scaled down to the size of the back of a Subaru Impreza. So it's not a big SUV, like a small car. And it's kind of liberating. Like, you know, I don't need all those other things. You're yeah. the poster child for the minimalist movement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, hearing you yeah. talk, Bill, I almost – I almost feel like, um, you know, especially now with kind of the state things are in both politically but also uh, environmentally, that we should almost have like a, a mandatory month that people, adults here, have to take where they, they run a race even if it's not an entire marathon and they <laughs> they kind of have to adopt that lifestyle because it, it's an aspiration that we have too. We just really haven't had the guts to really fully delve into it, but it sounds like it would make the world a better place if more people kind of adopted your philosophy, you know? Uh, I think you, you tend to um, uh, attract the people that are also interested in in, in uh, doing what you're doing and believing in what you believe. And so I'll, I've met a lot of people that are, are attempting to do that slowly. They're just going, you know, I, I make different, I think differently when I go to purchase something. Uh, if I need it, then I buy it. If I don't need it, but I want it. I think about why I want it and really think, really think. And it doesn't matter if it's an insignificantly, uh, insignificant item or something inexpensive. You just, it's more stuff. And over time, that weighs you down. Um, and you could be doing other things with your money, like visiting national parks, like traveling around the world, like doing a, an art, uh, you know, uh, going to an art exhibit or uh, the opera or the theater or even a movie, something where there's an experience um, associated with it rather than buying that next little trinket. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely possible, and it does take a little adjustment, but it's uh, I think it feeds on itself. Once you start, you know, instead of going the other way, which is, oh, I need to amass more, I need to amass more, I need to amass more, you go, 
wow, I can, how much less can I have? <laughs> and, you know, and that makes you feel good. Um, and so it's, uh, it's been, it's been a learning experience for me, but it's definitely been, uh, insightful. This is pretty impressive. You're doing a marathon a week, and I know you mentioned that you think uh, it's something that's attainable. What, what was your training like to get to the point where you could do this, and, and what's your training like now? <clears throat> yeah, that's a that's a good question. So I want to make one distinction um, sort of before I answer that, and there is a difference between racing and running. And mm -hmm. if you're racing, as you as you both know, you're putting your all into it. You train to a point, you try and, and peak at the point in which you are scheduled to do the race, and then uh, you recover. But during that race, you run all out. What I'm doing is, even though it's a marathon a week, they are um, enjoyment trail runs. They're, they're not races. And as a result, the intensity is lower. The effort is still hard because it's still a lot of distance and often in these parks there's a lot of elevation climbing and, and the descent which is tough on the, on the, the joints. But, um, it's, it's not, um, a high intensity every single week. Um, so what I did to get prepared when I was still in New York is I followed, uh, a standard marathon training program. So I was training as if I was getting ready to run a marathon uh, in June. And I think I started, you know, 18 weeks out, roughly, because um, I was actually tr thinking of running some more races in the year anyway. And uh, did the long runs on the weekend. I have you know, run enough marathons, point, so I'm, I'm comfortable with, with how to get ready um, before I ran the first one. And then after that, the the train. I don't really train anymore. I run occasionally during the week in between marathons just to stay limber and loose, but I'm not on a regular training schedule in between these long runs. Uh, it usually takes two or three days to recover fully, and one of those days is often in the car driving between parks, uh, and one of those days is often hiking around the park, so a little bit of an active recovery, seeing um seeing the sights in the park, taking pictures, doing some hiking, uh, and then maybe a day off fully where I do computer work, and then I run again. And uh, the running keeps you in shape, the, the actual marathons themselves. So in terms of uh, the actual training routine, you know, once I'm – it's just in, uh, two or three days a week in between marathons, I'll run. And what about diet? Are there other exercises that you do? I try to foam roll. I have a small foam roller that I have in, in the car. So I try to do that at least once a day, if not twice a day, sort of morning and the evening. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, the stick, which is a, uh, a handheld sort of kind of foam massage tool, like a foam roller. So I use that on, on uh, my calves and uh, uh, to do that to, to recover. Otherwise, a little bit of stretching because I have chronic plantar fasciitis, so uh, it, uh, it flares up every time I run and then uh, is generally better by the next time I run. But I try and stretch, some, stretch my calves. I do KT taping on my feet, which if anybody has plantar fasciitis out there, um, KT tape is it's like magic. It really, really helps. So something to look into. 
And then uh, my diet, uh, I'm actually, I eat vegan. So I don't eat any animal products, uh, no meat, no dairy. Um, I eat a lot of as much fresh fruits and vegetables as I can. I have a cooler in my car and I put ice in the bottom and I try and keep things in there as much as I can. And then I eat a lot of uh, minute rice and beans, canned beans, um, because at the campground I'm limited in my cooking often, so I have to have something that I can, can prepare quickly and easily with the limited amount of, you know, no microwave. <laughs> the tent is cool, but has no microwave. Uh, that's that's kind of why I eat a lot of uh, trail mix in the car while I'm while I'm driving. Uh, lots of bananas. Um, I just met a, a, a new friend named Dave Wiskowski who ran with me at Joshua Tree. Did the whole marathon there. He's a fructarian, so he only eats uh, fruit. Um, he eats uh, about 80% of his calories are from fresh fruit. And uh, I had read about this before and never really talked at length with anybody who was following that diet. So I'm trying to introduce even more fresh fruit into my diet, but limited refrigeration sometimes can impact that. But I'm trying. So far, so good. I find uh, I recover faster um, once I became vegan, which was about four or five years ago, that uh, after a long run, I would actually feel better more quickly than I did before I changed my diet. What was the the rationale for changing? Was it Was it... Because of the of your training, or or was it because of uh, other reasons? Yeah, the the diet was an interesting evolution. So when I grew up, my dad worked for a company that distributed uh, fresh and frozen meat, and we would often eat steak four times a week because we would get all of the end pieces <laughs> that the that the restaurants wouldn't want, right? So it's the same meat, it's just smaller portions, and and the restaurants wouldn't wouldn't take that, and uh, uh, we would eat that and. I think I just got tired of it, growing up eating it so much. So I used to eat barnyards full of chicken, and I kind of got tired of that. And then I eat schools of fish, and I got tired of that. And a combination of as I cut things out and the fact that I had read the China study and um, a few other books around health and nutrition, I just thought, you know, hey, I'm feeling a little bit better and, you know, Maybe I should try cutting it out altogether and just see what happens. And I did, and I felt better. So I tell people that the, the, the my transition to eating vegan was really a performance. It was for performance reasons. I just felt better. And if you feel good, then really no reason to change. What advice would you have for for novice runners, so people who who haven't done uh, just starting or who've never done a marathon but are thinking about it? Do you have any training tips or advice you would offer to them? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And I'll throw in that a lot of times when I speak with, with new runners, they're intimidated by what I'm doing. They're like, oh, I could never do that, or wow, that's amazing, and that's beyond my capability. And uh, sometimes I think that they'll ignore any advice you give them because they find that that advice might be, Oh, that's too advanced for me. So, so for for um, people who are just starting out, um, my my advice is actually pretty simple. Um, don't worry about your speed. If you're getting ready to run your first marathon, um, run comfortably and complete it, and be proud about you 
achieving this goal. Learn from that uh, experience and then apply that to your next one where you can actually improve and maybe go for a time target. Um, I would also recommend getting a coach because the coach can help you uh, train properly and not get injured. Um, follow a plan, and that's where the coach can help also. Even if you don't get a coach, you should follow a plan. Don't just wing it. Um, too many people try to figure it out on their own and then run the marathon and say, well, this stinks. I had a terrible time. Well, odds are you weren't prepared properly. My first marathon back in 2006, I followed the Hal Higdon uh, novice marathon training plan at the recommendation of a friend who was a runner. And I followed it to the letter, and it got me through. But I learned so much, and then I realized how much I didn't know and that, you know, I could continue building on that. Um, and then if you really want to get fancy and you're a gizmo person, uh, I would recommend trying to, um, after you get a coach, training by heart rate. Because, and, and, and maybe you guys do this as well, but heart rate is the only objective uh, measure of effort. So you can say on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you – how do you feel today? 1, 7, 6, 5, but compared to what? You know, it's all, it's all relative. But heart rate training gives you objective um, uh, a measure of your effort. And I had actually done heart rate training at one point to, to get ready for a marathon, and it's amazing how much, how much harder you're running than you should be at particular points in your training program. And uh, I think it's a very useful tool. So that was a lot, but uh, hopefully some of those tidbits um, will be helpful. It's just, you know, don't go too fast. <laughs> Get a coach and make sure you follow the plan so you're ready. Part of your journey is you're, you, you're inviting people to, to join you. So could you say a little bit about that? And if, if folks do want to follow you or contact you, what, what would be the best way to do that? Part of what I'm promoting is is for to, for people to get out and see uh, these these great places, our national parks, and uh, do some trail running because they're they're beautiful, they're unspoiled, and they have most of them, not all of them, but most of them have very well maintained and um, marked trail systems. So you can go out and and um, obviously plan prudently, but uh, you you can have a good time and not worry too much about being lost or uh, getting off the trail. So I'm, I'm encouraging people to, to join me when I go running uh, at the marathons. Um, come out and do some of the run or all of the run if you're ready to do that. That would be great. Uh, the, last, the last place I ran was Suaro National Park in Tucson, and I had three people run with me. It was the most so far to date. Yeah, we had a blast. It was such a beautiful day, really wonderful people. And uh, running amongst all the saguaro cactus was just spectacular. Mm. Um, so yeah, I love love people to come out and join me. Um, it's to be a celebration of running and nature and the national parks. You can learn about my schedule right now. It's um, on my website, which is www.runningtheparks.com, and uh, they can reach out to me via email. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all those links are on the website. Um, and uh, I'd love to have people join me. It's been, it's been uh, fun when they, when they have been able to join me.
I'm sure if you if you keep at it for a while, there'll be trails of people behind you. And if they want to contribute to your your uh, your quest, how how would they do that? Yeah, I I do have a crowdfunding uh, site page on uh, generosity.com because I I don't think I'll quite have enough money in the bank to finish it up uh, without stopping to work for a little while unless I'm able to. Uh, Garner a little extra support from from people who are interested in helping me out. The uh, the flights uh, up in in Alaska, the Alaskan logistics alone are going to be uh, very intense and expensive. So uh, uh, any help there would be great. Um, Generosity.com. You can search on National Parks Marathon Project, and you should find me and my uh, my face there. And uh, anything that anyone could do to uh, to help would be wonderful. Uh, if not, I'd rather just I'd rather see you out on the park at the parks, um, running on your own or running with me. That would be great. Well, I know our paths will surely cross. Hopefully, in the next year. Or so <laughs> we'll take you up on that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's what well, you're an inspiration, Bill. Like I said it earlier. You know, I think so many of us think we want to do something like that, but it's actually taking the step. You know, we're 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 kind of attached to to our lives in ways um, that makes makes us maybe a little fearful. So it's it's inspiring to see somebody who's who's doing it. Yes, and having a good time doing it. Yeah, thank you so much for for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, I hope to uh, to also see you out on the trail soon, and and maybe when we meet again, you'll be saying, "Hey, this is our six month." sabbatical from from work in New York and we're doing some traveling and doing some running and really experiencing the world without worrying about the next conference call meeting or uh, due date so it's liberating (laughs) it's really been a pleasure for for me to help uh, to help people that are interested in either um, uh, taking a break anyone who wants to reach out to me and talk about how I did that and, and just getting over the fear because you even mentioned it's, it's a big jump and I've never been one to, to do anything like this. Uh, not a big risk taker in the past. Um, I had another interviewer on the radio ask me about that and, um, you know, she said, have you, you, have you done this in the past? I'm like, no, but I'd like to say that through this experience, it will help me do more of it in the future. And uh, if anybody wants to talk about running or or the national parks again, go to uh, www.runningtheparks.com or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, and I'd love to talk to you. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. So we certainly encourage folks to uh, get in touch with you and, and either come out and support via running or financially if possible. Uh, so thank you for for coming on and and talking with us and talking to our listeners i think that interview was awesome yeah no i mean i think it was so inspirational so many of us would be too scared even if we hated our jobs to leave (laughs) them and kind of go out there and 
run in nature and see the national parks and definitely this adventure on. Yeah, Bill gives me hope that it's it's definitely possible. You just have to have a will mm-hmm. and and be organized. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do something like that. Huh, babe? That would be awesome. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> if you have any questions or comments, we invite you to visit us on our website at thepenishow.com. <laughs> Yeah.